Welcome to the fastest growing podcast on personal growth. We're teaching you the life lessons that you didn't learn in school. It's the Better Than Best Academy. And today I'm with Mr. OF himself. No, not only fans. <laughs> My man Oliver Foster is in the building. And if you could give a round of applause, Oliver, I, I want to just dive right into our conversation today. I, I saw you ask this question on X, and I'm curious to hear your response in it. Uh, what is one trait you would choose to get rich? So I saw a lot of people probably have the same answer to me. They said kind of behavior or psychology. And it made, me, it made me think a little bit. I don't really know the answer to what trait I'd want. I was kind of thinking more of superpower, but then I got a lot more realistic answers. I thought, okay, it's such kind of better than what I think. And it made quite a lot of sense because really getting rich, kind of getting loads of money. You're essentially, it is like player to player, similar to what colors, you know, you've heard it in before in the, in the news that I'm taking and stuff. You're, you're basically getting someone else's money and putting it in your pocket. And what you've got to do is you want to get that a lot and you want to get a lot of money. You've then got to influence a lot of people. So you've got to influence the masses. And the masses kind of, it's still like trading, they react in certain ways. We, as humans, we have similar, like similar kind of reacting to certain situations. So if you're able to interpret these situations and kind of, examine how the masses perform, that's probably your best fair game rich. So my answer would be kind of understanding the human psychology to like an X level. I think if you can do that, you can 100% get as much wealth as you possibly want. Love that. That's a great answer. And I'm curious, one thing you mentioned that right away I find interesting is that idea of you, you have to influence people. And I'm big on that idea of wanting to be influential to wanting be wanting to be impactful. I'm curious when you hear the word influence, what does it mean to you? Swaying somebody's viewpoints and beliefs for the guess what you believe is a more positive route. Whether it's positive or negative mindset, like positive. I guess you've got some of the bad side of influence the good side. But it is influencing somebody's beliefs away from what theirs are and more towards your your own or what you want to and still with somebody else. Me because I kind of want to push it by mental positivity, it's I believe would benefit the person the most. So I'm influencing somebody to live a life that I think allow them to live the best life they can. But yeah, in that time, it's just swaying someone towards your, whether it's good or bad. Good. I think that's great. And, and that's the, I feel like there's a dark side too, when it comes to influence. It's like you said, when, when it comes with having a platform and influencing people, Ultimately, when it's in the wrong hands, it can it can be quite detrimental when it comes to a point of manipulation. But I think it's great that you're coming from a, a positive light because I think that that's something that the world needs more of. Because there's there's plenty of negative things out there. So so another person, another person like myself out there being positive, I love it. And with this idea of influence and making an impact and kind of what you've recently transitioned to I think it's been great that that you've been making more content around this mental health space what influenced and inspired your approach to mastering anxiety and depression it was from personal experience I mean I said a tweet today actually it's kind of my thought process towards what depression was at the age of 17 very very naive um and because I've never been to the depths that I went to for like in the past five-year journey I just couldn't comprehend how bad it could be. So when someone else had been to that level, I couldn't comprehend that. It was, it was awful. So that kind of, with that experience, how that happened, kind of like I went down a 
massive journey of my own. And then I was in a place where I literally thought I couldn't get out. I mean, I was, it was about three months I was in my room and I remember laying on my bed and I just thought, I felt like this, it's kind of like sort of pulled down a lever, kind of pulled slowly down, down, down. And that's how it felt. My head was aspiring down. I couldn't think of everything that used to make me happy and I felt nothing at all. And that made me even worse. And then I came out of that. And also with kind of the anxiety where I was literally in my room, the same room I'm in now, I was in two days, those blinds are closed. I didn't want to look outside because I could not deal with life or all the world that was going on at that. Mentally, I was overwhelmed by it. I was petrified. And then I got from there where I am now. And it was when, about last year, when I was on a plane to Italy. And now one thing about me was I was hate flying. My mum used to always scream and cry out. I was really bad. So obviously as a young child, you see that, you think. Why is my mum crying? And then you get a bit of turbulence and you start putting two inches together and start getting really scared of it. You're your own experiences. Right, hey, it's fine. COVID made it so much worse because that meant three years of plants. And I was like, I am not getting on the plane. My dad was like, my dad literally book forced me to go on. I turned up a slight confidence course. So you see pilots, you were kind of going through everything about planes, why you shouldn't be afraid. And then end up going, I asked her, I said to my dad, I'm not going on that slide if I don't want to. He was telling me, I've paid with money, you're going to go on with my kind of thing. And I was like, okay, I, I'll see it. And I went on it, and it was really good. That month later, I went to Issy with my girlfriend, and I was on the plane with her. And I was thinking, I'm on a plane right now. Two years ago, a year ago, I was petrified to come out of my room. I was depressed, I was scared. And here I am, all the one of my biggest fears. And I'm like, honestly, it's like, if I can do this, anyone could do privilege anything they want. And that's sort of where it started. And on that slide, I started writing my book. And literally, I, was, I did about a thousand hours when I work, time goes quicker. So I was like, I could do this with talk quicker. And I put 1,000, 2,000, 4,000 words. And it started from the it snowballed. And it literally snowballed. And I was like, well, you know, I was doing Twitter because I've got aspirations. I want to have my own business. I don't like work for someone else. But I wanted to do so like in a better way. And at first, it's copyrighted. And I was like, well, I'm writing a book. And I'm kind of trying to grow a personal brand. Why don't I just put both of them together? Like, why don't I just do the same thing? I'm doing copyright. I guess I thought copyright and storytelling, I'd write a book in that way. It wasn't my true, true passion. My true passion was kind of helping people get over what they thought that was impossible because I thought it was impossible to go over what I'd go through. And then I did. And I was like, well, if I can, I'm going to start talking about how other people can. And yes, that's, that's where it's about. That was the whole journey. And that's what it's going to be to do what I'm doing now. Such a great story. And I, and I appreciate you for sharing it. Again, I think that sharing our story is a gift and because we don't have to share those things, especially that, that vulnerability and that, that darkness that we experience and we overcome. I'm curious, what, what, what do you think was the shift for you that got you out of that rut? Because you mentioned you were in that, that space of you weren't opening the blinds, you were just in this lowest of low. I'm curious, what, what was the shift for you that got you to take action and get out of that space? I mean, I've always been a very determined person, for instance. So what triggered everything for me was smoking weed. I just didn't have, some guys I don't know, weeds, cannabis, marijuana. It didn't have a good reaction to me at all. I did, and I'm pretty sure when I did kind of weed brownies with my mates, it was legs or something. And I got drug and juice PTSD. So it wasn't kind of like, I, I didn't want to take action. I just physically couldn't. Because when I tried, all these memories of flashbacks and stuff would just push me down, pull me down, keep me in my house. And that's why I was kind of scared. But the biggest turning point, I guess, was I was constantly on a journey to see what would make me feel better. At first, I was so naive. I had no tools in my arsenal on how to defeat this beast of anxiety. And I just didn't know what to do. So the case was kind of, it was always 
it wasn't like a switch, it was just me on a journey, becoming more and more knowledgeable on what to see this opponent. Biggest, biggest turning point for me was meeting my hypnotherapist because the techniques I learned and how I saw anxiety viewed it and how I actually understood how it worked. That's when it was completely turned around. I mean, I did try to meditate for affirmations and they were great, but how I see it as quite a good point is from the hypnotist. Because these things are very good at coping. It allows us to cope with them, but it's like a weed. They'll cut the weeds, they'll never pull the root out. So you can keep cutting the weed, but the root's always going to be there. To actually pull the root out, you've got to go to that place of trauma and get it out. And that's what I did with the hypnotist. I did so called um, eye movement. I had the deep sensitization reprocessing therapy. And that basically, when you go to the place of trauma, then you manually process that memory because you want your brain calm. And then it basically dissociates the emotions from the memory. And all of a sudden, the whole tower of Jenga falls and there's lots of anxiety that you thought you was possessed with ghosts. And it was kind of that. So that I realized, you know, I can, I can, I'm feeling a lot better. I can finally go over this. And then that's what I during so I brought my book as well. Going to every chair I had to pop in a pop in a pop in. And then I found fun about ice bats. And that was really the final piece of the puzzle. It was kind of, you go, you got rid of the anxiety and now I'm going to manage it day to day. And the ice bats can just make you feel relentlessly determined, savage, and also it's happening all the time. Like it's, yeah. so that, yeah, that's it wasn't, to go back to your question, I mean, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't just one thing. It was just kind of, just constantly on a journey and finding each piece. Kind of like, you know, you're finding an infinite stone from Marvel. You know, I keep finding, I'm collecting it. And finally yeah. I, I collect them all. And then I'm here today. I love that, man. There's so many great distinctions to pull out of that. And, and just to piggyback in my own journey, it's fairly similar to yours. And one thing I've learned is you can't band-aid a bullet wound. And I feel like for so long, if you're just trying to treat the symptoms and not the root cause, and I love that analogy of the, the weed and getting to yeah. the root. And, and I think that's so true because when we choose to find the root and uproot it and replant a, a new seed in its place. A beautiful thing. Oh man, just the, the beauty of that. Because a lot of people, and I mean, especially I feel like in this entrepreneurial space, is we can be really good at just burying down all those feelings. Like it's easy to just work more. <laughs> it's easy yeah, to just yeah. like um, push yourself to the point of burnout, push yourself to the point of absolute exhaustion. And then you just go take a vacation and think it's going to be fine. <laughs> but it's so yeah. much bigger than that. And, and I love that you mentioned like doing the deep work there and facing the fears is really, there's no way around it, but through it. And and I think yeah. I recently tweeted that I think it was today even and and it's I, I've had I've had to learn that the hard way and that's one of the reasons why yeah. I got the coaching is like if I can help my clients face their fears face those roots of their their trauma and truly heal from the past to get to their future then they're going to be thriving and I and I think that's great you also mentioned I think you mentioned EMDR is that is that something that you did yeah. That, that, yeah. So I haven't personally done it myself, but I've been around circles that have done it. And it's definitely something I have in the future that, that I'm going to lean into. But also the yeah. cold plunging. Again, I love cold plunging. And yeah. of, course, of course, I was going to bring it out. I, <laughs> I, I feel like it's a major key to your, I mean, mental, spiritual, physical. It really hits all those factors. And it's like you said, it's funny that I started cold plunging too because of the anxiety factor. 
because I was in a space coming out of PTSD from lockdowns and COVID because we had our son and he was like barely a year old. And I remember just being, I, I forced myself into even more so isolation to the point where I just got super anxious. And then I found out about cold plunge and it was amazing to see between that and doing neurocycles to really get to the root cause of the trauma. But man, the, the cold plunging is such a, a nice cherry on top. I'm curious, how did you discover its benefits and what impact has it made on you? So it all came from the book, really. It was, I was writing um, all the techniques that I use that kind of could benefit the person. So if I wanted to cover the science behind it and the case study, so that it's not my point, but here's the science. So that it's some unbiased. And I kept seeing the ice bats and I kept seeing you know, Wim Hof and all these people doing it. My friend who went through a similar thing, he um, was doing river river dips. So and it was winter. And I was like, man, you're crazy. Like, I'm not doing that. Like, go away. But I kept hearing about it. And I thought, like, I need to include this in my book because it sounds so good. It sounds it's so niche. Like, it was so cool to include. But then I was like, how can I include something in my book? I haven't had some down. So I was like, if next thing was right, a 30 day challenge, I'll buy one. I'll do 30 days and I'll see what happens. I'll, I'll be my own little test subject. So I went out, found one of, the one of those tubs that I promoted in. First, could did know where to start get the tub. I was like, what do I get? I got an ice barrel, but I got this big whiskey barrel and it'd been cut in half and it came and I got in it. And it was like up to here. And I was like, this thing, this is not going to work. Yeah. Oh, so I got one of those tubs, finally sort it up. And I actually documented it all on TikTok. And I thought, you know, I can in my books for a fair back to actually want to see what happens, check it out, whatever. But yeah, I started doing it. And then I think it was after, it was day five, I was driving back to work and I looked to the side and for the first time, my mind was completely silent. There was no chatter, nothing pressured me. It was just quiet. And I was like, wow, like this, wow. Okay. This is cool. This is cool. So I kept doing it, kept doing it. And then it got to about day 14 and I was like, yeah, this is part of our routine now. I've never stopped doing this. I've got socked every single day. Did have that anxiety it's leaching into my day-to-day -day life like I did before. And I felt like I did random. And then I kept doing it and doing it and ended up, so I started in December and I, well, I did every day up until about March. So I ended up doing it for another three months on top and what I said. Then I said, yes. And then I was like, okay, it's in my life. Summer, I've been doing cold showers every day and not ice baths because it's been quite hot. But now it's ice bath season again and I have been getting in this week. I've just got a lot of bottles. Got the ideas from you with the bottles. That's a great idea, by the way. I put up some big bottles, frozen over there. I used that. Yeah, that's all again. I think I start showing the cold showers myself. So it's an great idea. For sure. Yeah, I definitely enjoy the plunge. It's a little bit more work than a, a shower, but I'm in Texas and like it's ridiculous getting it down to the right temperature. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, our, we're out in like the hundreds, which I mean, I don't know if you do Fahrenheit or Celsius but a hundred degrees Fahrenheit. So up there. So definitely getting yeah, it the right temperature is, is it can be challenging, yeah. but yeah, yeah, dude, there's nothing like it. And I agree. It's, it's the, one of the single most things someone could do to see benefits. I feel like right away. And I, there's so, there's so many other things, you know, and it's great. And it's important to do the things that are going to take time to see results, but it's also kind of like you said, it's the, the stacking getting all the infinity stones. It's getting all yeah. the things that really puts you on the, on the right path. Man, I, I'm curious in your experience, what is the most 
underestimated factor when it comes to overcoming anxiety and depression that you find important to address? Like, obviously, we've mentioned cold plunge and things, but I'm just curious if there's something underestimated that people might not think about. I don't think anyone saw about hypnotherapy. Like, I've brought that up. And I think that was because at first, I thought the same thing. I was like, this thing that on the holiday where they like, made things through chicken or something. I was, yeah. didn't know what, to, that was really important. The way you got into your kind of sub reprogrammed that spiral slice where it needs to like 17. My advice to depressed people was just stuck and sad. The reason why it's so like stupid. Don't be sad. That's your conscious mind telling you. 99% when it's your subconscious. If you're a or not, there'll be points where your subconscious comes in again and you're sad again. So that would be the reprogramming of that 100%. And you can do that by hypnotherapy and constant affirmations and telling yourself like self-beliefs. Yeah, that'd be my answer to that. For sure, for sure. You, you were breaking up a little bit there, but I, I was getting the gist of it. I just wanted to make sure yes. it was, it was going to catch up. Let's see. One second. My questions disappeared. So you mentioned how you were copywriting for a while, right? Yeah. And then you've made this recent kind of pivot once you had that aha moment as you started to write your book on a plane. I'm curious, what was it in your previous seasons and experiences outside of what you're doing now that you're applying to your current season? So as in kind of like my, what I've picked, what skills I've picked up from. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the skill, like the skills or can maybe the lessons that you learned from copywriting and you mentioned you play sports too, right? You play football. Yeah. 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 And, and I'm curious cause I, I talked to other athletes too. I, I, I played baseball and American football growing up and, and yeah. I'm always interested when I talk to fellow athletes, how they've pulled those some of those elements and put it into what they're doing now in the the business space or even in the yeah. space yeah I mean, yeah it's a great question so the copywriting aspect i learned how to write on twitter and actually keep your x and keep people engaged so i see a lot of guys who are good about following great message who are all in the kind of mental health space but i look at their writing and i'm like if you structured that right or you said kind of this grammar and terminology you'd get so many more Freshly, the legs showing because how it sounds. For instance, the hook, the body, these kind of things, call to action. So that's all those skills away from copywriting and that kind of three month period I had. So I'm not like upset about going on that kind of hiatus. Absolutely, thing that benefited me a lot in my writing, kind of selling what I can offer to people in a more thorough way. The football, what I've learned, I mean, football was something I believe mean, six years old. It's the, I've learned everything from kind of how to be in a team, how to work hard. It's installed in me. So there was one, one key thing where like, I'm endlessly happy for. When I first started football, I kind of went, I was at a really bad team and I was, I was naturally quite, quite gifted at it. So I went to another team and then I was really scared to meet all these new players and new kind of people when I was like six years old. And then I was like kind of scared and my dad brought me forth, kind of like integrated me in. And that was really good. And then the next team I joined about a year later, I was a little bit better at meeting with people and kind of chatting away straight away. Then I moved from that team a year later and that was a lot better. And I met all these players and there was no kind of fear to meet new people and introduce myself and get along or kind of be myself because of the experience I had from a TT. And then that's something come now 
the next where in my day-to-day life, if I asked it, my IT job, there's a whole lot of say in me now. I kind of thank my experience of football for that, how I went to teach team because it's throwing me in strategy. So that was sort of, kind of social skills. Amazing. Then there's also playing the actual game and that's kind of pushes you, teaches you from, from young. So you want to win the game. If it's a tight game and you want to be the one that wins, you've got to put 110 percent and that lack of focus. Maybe you give 90 percent five minutes, 10 minutes and cost you the game. Goes, that's very similar to good engagement for months. And then it will slip, go, turn around. And now all of a sudden you're doing all your hard work again. And it'll take a lot, lot longer. So carrying on kind of carrying on snowball of focus and effort. Um, it's something that I learned from. I love that. You you had a few blips. I, I don't know if it was your Wi-Fi or mine, but it's totally fine. I got the gist I got the I got the gist of of what you were saying. Oh. And I can cut out the, the blips so so we'll be good. But yeah, I think that's great. And I love that I love that question because again, it's those aspects of the pieces of our journey that really define us and mold us into the people that we are. And I feel like that can be good and bad because I feel like sometimes the the traumas and the stories that are told over us, we can start to believe them. And I feel like a lot of our work as as coaches and mindset coaches is helping people quit believing the lies that they've been <laughs> telling themselves yeah. and start yeah. learning, learning and re almost like you said, reprogramming the mind to see the truth of who they truly are. Man, that, that's such interesting, interesting thoughts. So I have my, my notes are getting all over the place today. I'm like, what's going on? My computer is glitching a little bit, but we're good. We're all right. Yeah, and to go a little bit deeper into this idea of we touched on earlier about vulnerability, I feel like it's a key component, a key component in addressing mental health challenges. How do you approach and cultivate a sense of vulnerability in what you're doing as far as with your coaching and your personal brand? I mean, you've you've got to open up with the person you're helping straight away. It puts you on a level. If you don't open up, but you're asked them to be, well, how can you expect them to? Because if you aren't kind of doing the same thing, why well, can't put my heart and soul into my book? Because I know it takes your heart and soul to get out of that horrible place that you can be in. And by that, you've got to be honored. You have to kind of set the standard. It's like you meet someone and kind of, you know, you might say something personal to get something personal back to build that connection. You've got to kind of build these in like these levels of connection with the other person. The only way you can do that is by yourself being vulnerable. So that's why I'm quite open. I'm not ashamed of anything that's happened and I'll tell somebody exactly what's happened. I'm basically vulnerable in that point, but you know, like that's, that's me. That's, that's what's happened. I'm not going to shy away from that. I love that. And I, I agree. One thing that I like to say on my show a lot is vulnerability is a super strength. And a lot, of, a lot of people don't, don't realize that. And I, I think it's a key crucial component when it comes to not only sharing your story and building a personal brand, but just that it's a humanity factor, like you said, that that ties us together. Yeah, definitely. And again, I, I'm really curious about your book. The more that that you you mention it, uh, I'm curious. Could you share kind of a glimpse into the core principles that you'll be addressing in your book? Definitely, yeah. So, see, it's it's split into two parts. So, I think touched it before. First half is my whole story from. I went from a happy, confident, but naive kind of person to completely shattered 
And then how I built myself back up to being confident, happy, but aware. With the Arsenal, that it starts to ever happen again, we destroy quickly and I'll never have to go for a journey again. And then the other half is separated into all the techniques I use broken down so that, you know, you've took my word for it, but you actually understand the science behind it. Why we do it, why we say it's going to help. Because, you know, it's where I tell it's on to, to do something, but they don't know why. They're going to come and go into it half-heartedly. So, you know, the hunt, all, all the reasons why you'll go into it, I focused and give it everything. So the book is basically kind of the core part of the book is the things that I've gone through, kind of that I've turned, turned my direction. Maybe I've gone in that story, there's, there's a path of two, two ways and it's where I've chosen another path. It's where I've, I could have chosen another one, but I went the other way. Um, so it started off with kind of, you know, how it all triggered, how I believed it triggered, then what happened from that and how kind of the butterfly set happens, how simple little night out with your friends can suddenly trigger a whole spiral of and not going to university because you're scared to leave your house or whatever, not doing a certain thing because you just don't want to, you can't. And how it kind of shaped my life for what it is now. Yeah. And I think, you know, I try, I try to link it back with analogies of kind of a bit of history. I'm interested in history. So there's some analogies with more like kind of well-known names, you know, that's, that's happened and you can compare the two scenarios to kind of show, you know, like even they were a bit sick and this powerful, but they were human too. So you've gone through something they've gone through. It's not something that should pin you down, but it's that they did. And this is how they dealt with it. How are you going to deal with it? Are you going to deal with it the right way or the wrong way? Because it could be one person that's led to their demise. So you want to do the opposite, opposite thing. And it's not going to lead to yours. So we incorporate some history. We incorporate kind of the slide of science and a lot of, a lot of vulnerability. Yeah. Definitely opened up to the point where, and I've, I've, I've cut forward to every single emotion so that you know, you to be happy, you feel sad, you feel angry. I don't know. You can be shouting at me like, don't do that. And then I do it in the book, but that's, yeah. that's really, really try to make sure. And it's all interlinked as well. I, I like to play little Easter eggs and foreshadow. So I've tried, tried. Hopefully. So yeah. Man, I, I'm interested to read it. It sounds very intriguing. I like the duality of the stories and stats. I like that idea of bringing your personal journey, but then sharing the principles and the practical actions that people can take. Cause I feel like it's, it's necessary to have both. And that, that's, that's really interesting. So I'm yeah. curious. So at, at this point of the podcast is, is when we get to have some fun. So I have a, a new segment. I don't know if you've seen any of the previous shows, but I have a new segment where my previous guest ask a question for my future guest. Okay. I will see the question that my guest asked. So if you were to look at your life today, and forecast it out, assuming it stays the same until you're 65 or 70, would you be okay with that? And if not, what actions do you need to change so that when you get to like 65 or 70 years old, you can look back and say, I'm proud of myself and I live my life in like the most aligned way that I could. And I'm very, I don't want to say happy, but aligned with self-respect. Like you respect the way that you lived your life. I think respect is better to be optimized for than happiness. So what would, the, those, those two questions, like forecast out, would you be, like, would you respect that person if you just kept doing what you were doing consistently? And if not, what would you have to change to be proud of and respect that person at an old age? Oof. It's interesting. I'll say that's actually, that question is probably the building blocks of what I'm doing now and why. So the biggest fear I've always had 
is to never reach my full potential, to never kind of get where I know I can get if I really, really tried, which is why I was so scared about what was happening when I just kept the, when I kind of got out of my room. Um, and that's why I made sure I did what I did. So I'd say, yeah, that's the answer to that is if I could set a trajectory on one, hundred percent, I would be happy with where I am at 65. If it continues kind of linear, I guess linear of like what I'm doing now. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I'll wait till the very end to ask you the question you have for your guests. So I'll give you that time to be thinking on it. Cause I like, to yeah. leave, I like to end the podcast on the cliffhanger of they have to go yeah. next, next week to hear the question from you. But with that said, I'll, I'll also like to flip it because you've been a, a great, great guest as I've drilled you with tons of questions that probably have got you thinking, including that one from Thailand. I, I'm curious, do you have any questions for me or did we not miss a topic that you would like to discuss? So my question, I asked another question for you when we're talking about this football one. You kind of asked what I've learned from it. What, what, what did you take away from your sporting career? Man, I love it. I love that question. I would say a few things. The first being the discipline aspect, big time, because it's that idea of of being super consistent and showing up even when you don't feel like it. I feel like that's yeah. what sports really instilled in me. Cause it's like when when I was playing American football, we had two a days. So we had practices before school and then after school. And there was plenty of days that I had to wake up super early to get to these practices that I didn't feel like it. I mean, I might've mm -hmm. got crap sleep. I might've been focused on other things. I might've went through a breakup, whatever, you know, happens yeah, when you're yeah. in school and you're so dramatic, <laughs> but yeah. still it was something that was very consistent. And I feel like that's what built those habits in me today to mm -hmm. say when I roll over and my alarm goes off at 5am and I don't feel like it. Now, obviously sometimes when you're sick, you need to you yeah. need to take that time, but, but being able to find that balance of, okay, I need to go and do this because it's the consistency over time and it's the d discipline over time that's going to get me those results. But also it's that idea of, I, I feel like there's such a community aspect in team sports as well. It's like realizing that you're coming together with other human beings and the common goal is to win or the common goal is to, yeah. go to like to get to this, this level and achieve this goal. And I think there's something about it that builds that karatomy, man, I cannot talk to karate. There you yeah. go, man. My, I was like, why is that word not coming out today? I'm but, but yeah. And it's that idea of having that, that building that trust and knowing that you can rely on the person next to you but also that you're doing something that's bigger than you. Because so yeah. many times in a lot of stuff that we're chasing, and you can even be that way in sports. Like, yeah, it's a team sport, but I feel like some of the best athletes and the ones that probably go to win most of the championships and go on to be greatness, like, yeah, they are great individually, but they have that ability to, to cooperate with other people. They know it's not always about you. And I feel like that's that's two of the big big things that I can think of that I pulled from athletics and that importance of health, because obviously yeah. you got to be at a, a peak. the The better shape you're in, and the better healthy, and the the way that you take care of your body translates on how well you perform on the yeah. field. And that was a big thing for me. Is like I remember when 
like growing up, my house was full of like sodas and we would drink like Powerades, not realizing until it was too late how much sugar was in those. And like, I remember not like just cutting out sodas completely when I was in like middle school, early high school. And I was just like, I'm going to cut out sodas because I want to be healthy and I want to perform well in sports. And to this day, I'll rarely have some sodas. I'm not sure if they call them sodas in the UK, but like Coca-Cola. Yeah, 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 like those drinks. Because in the US, those things are absolute poison. But but just, and it's like those little aspects. And again, it's like, I feel like those are definitely the foundational pieces that build what what I do today. And then if I could do one more, man, I feel like there's quite a few things that come, come, come out as I continue to speak is that mastering the basics and the fundamentals, because if you can do that, then that's going to be what you build that, that foundations, what you're going to build on. Like, yeah, you can have pure talent, but it's that I remember one of my coaches would always say hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. I know we've all like, we've heard it a thousand times, but it's so true. Cause it's like, I, I remember being super small when I played football, American football. So like I was like super short, barely weighed anything. Like probably a, a big a big gust of wind could probably blow me over. Like that's how small I was when I was playing football. Or not, but I had that tenacity that I'm gonna outwork everybody else. And and I remember like whatever it was in that space drove me into what I do now. Is like I, I know that I can work hard and get and develop the skills I need to. I may not be the biggest or the strongest at the time, but just watch because <laughs> it's going to yeah, happen. Yeah. And like, I feel like that's such a, a level of grit and tenacity that you need if you want to survive while making a, a business, like starting a business or being online in this personal brand space is like, I feel like that's really important. All of those are really important attributes to have the discipline, the consistency, the the outworking your competition and the maintaining your health also because it's super easy yeah. when you're building a business to forget about your health but yeah man i i could go down that rabbit hole for, for hours bro but those those three like spot on like those i think the first two things you said about discipline and kind of like you with the team are the are they're the two things that i should got to kind of add on to like what i said because that is what you said i was like 100 percent yeah, the consistency. I currently train twice a week and I've got a game Saturday. But there's so many times where I can't go, especially in the winter when it's like minus two degrees. Oh, yeah. You just finished work and you're like, oh, I just want to have a nice hot shower, a nice dinner. I just want to go out and that freezing cold train to our, yeah, 100%. And with the team as well, it's bigger than you. It's like you're all work, working towards a common goal. There's that camaraderie there that, you know, I quit football last December till about June because I was completely enjoying and I came back because I, I missed the competition. I missed pushing myself to what I could be if I really got my mind to it, the discipline. But the biggest thing was kind of just the camaraderie, like you go to training, you can, you work hard, you have a lap of your mates and stuff. And I missed that so much, just letting it loose. But how, you said actually like really business and yeah, this is something, there's one thing you said at the end, I forgot what it was, but I haven't thought of it before. I think of the, the basic foundations, you see that with all the players. If they build the base, the players that build the basics, they have the basics on lock are sometimes better than the players that have kind of these like really cool skills in their locker, just because they have the basics completely locked down mm-hmm. and bringing that. Yeah. I, I never thought about bringing that into the business kind of realm of things. If you do have the basics, like kind of lockdown, switch up X, you'll tweet it. 
um, every day is consistent five times a day and engaging like four times a day consistently. That's the basics. You're going to grow and make it a lot quicker than someone who can write really, really well. And they're not consistent purely by your hard work and your kind of foundations. So that, that was a really good insight. Actually, a lot. I didn't think of that. And even as you speak, it makes me think of, it's important to have, I don't know if hobbies would be the word, but it's, I think it's important as you're trying to build something great to have something that isn't like do or die. Like it's something that you can go, mm. you can go away to. And, and, and I feel like that's another great tip in like the space of when I try to help people beat burnout. I feel like a lot of times it's, it's not that we're, we're burnt out because we're doing the things because you can be doing the things that you love and still get burnt out because you're, you're yeah. too in it. And it's almost like if you have something that you can go step away and do, like, I think that that's, what's beautiful about maybe working out or like for you, it's playing football that you get to step away from building the business thing. And for yeah. that, that chunk of time, you, you get to not think about it. Cause I mean, if we're, if we're not careful, we'll be totally consumed yeah. with, with totally. building this thing. And, and nothing's wrong with having that, that level of obsession to go after something. There's something that's noble and great to be done. And at the same time, it's good to have those breakaway moments, but yeah. And, and to, to circle back to that, applying the, the basics to business, I think is huge. And it's not even necessarily like the hard skills. It's the soft skills too, because I feel like those get neglected because we always hear so much of like, get great at copywriting, get great at marketing, get great at sales. And you need all those things. But underneath all of those things is those soft skills of showing empathy, being able to connect with someone. And I feel like if we can master those things and, and then we, we gain the impact, then we gain the influence where people are just like, okay. I really trust this guy and this guy cares about me. So of course I'm going to buy anything he he's selling. Well, that's, that's the personality aspect, isn't it? Like every seal of them say kind of, oh, everyone kind of talks the same thing about the same thing. The only difference you have is your personality. And the lights are there about having the empathy and kind of connects on a human level. That's your personality. So if yeah. you are really good at kind of, and the biggest reason why someone wants to buy from you, is it really? If they don't like yeah. it, they're not going to buy from Exactly. No lack and trust. We hear it all the time, but it's, it's like, and that's what I find so interesting. Like cliches, the basic things, the simple things that you need to do, we need to do in our life to succeed is we almost get tired of hearing them and we almost get numb to hearing them, but they're cliches because they're true. They're, They're like, they're said so much because it's like time tested proof. And yeah, no, I, and I agree. If, if someone can know, like, and trust someone, then that's really a, a major key to, I mean, lifelong customers, lifelong followers, lifelong yeah. audience building, whatever you name it. And I, and I think that's, that's a, that's a huge aspect to think of, man. So good. Ali, it's been a great conversation and I'll definitely, as we kind of start wrapping up, definitely go give him a follow, connect with him, get his book when it comes out. Not sure when it's coming out, but I can't wait to hear it. I can't wait to read it. I can't. It's, it's going to be awesome. You'll definitely have to let me know so I can get a couple copies. There you go, bro. It's been, it's been great. First podcast, so it's been, it's already my favorite. Already, I love it. That's awesome. That that's the goal. I hope you felt comfortable enough to be yourself 
and, and to share your your heart, your story. And I know that someone's gonna glean some not only practical things, but I know that they're gonna be like, "Wow, this Ollie guy's cool." No oh, right. and he's not only fans. <laughs> we tweeted that 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 made me laugh so hard. I was like, "It's so funny." Bro, I'm gonna keep <laughs> right. Just just keep just keep retweeting. You know what I mean? Cool. I love it, man. But yeah, so as we wrap up the actual recording, this is when you get your chance to leave a question for the next guest. Okay. The, I've got one question. I don't know. Tell me if it's not good enough. I never heard this. Was that not a fire conversation? I know you're going to leave better than before you tuned into it. And if you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to hit the subscribe button on screen. And if you want to continue watching more inspiring and encouraging content, you can click here. If you really got something out of this, or if you have any feedback so that we can make this show even better, don't hesitate, drop a comment below. As always, thank you, and I look forward to seeing you again soon.